1: The challenge of climate disruption is huge. We all know the effects of a shifting climate, and I won't list them here, but we see its effects reported each night on the news. As individuals, this increasing challenge seems overwhelming. The good news is there is a movement happening that has been proven effective in alleviating the effects of climate change. It's the grassroots efforts of the Cool Cities Challenge. This movement relies on building social capital and includes concrete, inclusive, and non-political actions taken at a grassroots level to mitigate the effects of climate change. We don't need to feel like we have to act alone. All this can be done in neighborhoods, block by block and today we'll be sharing the cool cities challenge that includes cities becoming carbon neutral beyond offsets by 2030 today we'll be speaking with two people who are heading up cool city petaluma 2030 john crowley and leslie kerchak john crowley is co-founder of cool city petaluma 2030 and co-owner of the Aquas Café in Petaluma, California. He's a social instigator and champion connection maker. It was his intention in starting Aquas Café to recreate an Irish pub atmosphere with a focus on social dynamics that create opportunities and support the connection of individuals and businesses and nonprofits by bringing them together with their various interests and talents and energy. And he believes that social capital determines the health and happiness of a community and that as individuals of a town are provided more opportunities to interact and connect, the entire town benefits Leslie Kerchak is a block leader of Cool City Petaluma 2030. So join us for the next hour as we explore communities becoming healthier, safer, and more livable block by block with our guests, John Crowley and Leslie Kerchak. I'm speaking with John and Leslie by Remote Connection. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. I'll be your host. Welcome to New Dimensions. Welcome.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
1: I'm going to start with you, John, and ask you to tell us about social capital and what that means to you and kind of how it dovetails like your your original vision of the cafe and Cool City Petaluma, how that works.
2: Um, My journey with social capital started quite a long time ago um i grew up in an irish pub my grandfather's pub and my dad's and, and uh then my brothers and i actually started working there when i was 12 or 13 and i saw what it brought to the community it was essentially a community center with Guinness. It was really where everybody, where people had wakes, where people celebrated birthdays, where people celebrated soccer, where people had meetings. Uh, parish priests used to come down on Mondays evenings and write his, his sermon for the following Saturday. Um, but it really served as a community center for everybody. Uh, a lot of people don't know that the word pub is actually short for public house which is, uh, you know, when you start thinking about it, yes, that's really what it's about. That's certainly what it served as uh, in, in Ireland. Um, and then when you moved community, what you do is you go down to a local pub and you'd meet everybody there from, you know, the teachers, the laborers, the basically the mayor, or everybody would just be there in this community space and, and enjoying um, each other's company and getting to know each other and it acted as kind of a, a common ground a common space for everybody just to create social capital. And so then when I came to the United States I kind of said oh, okay well gosh well, what do we do well we go down with we do, without local pub and we we meet everybody. And it was a, a little different experience than I experienced in Ireland. Um, and so um, I kind of thought well why not create create what I wanted to. And so the cafe that I that I created called Aqua's Cafe here in Petluma we've been around now 17 uh, gone on 18 years. And uh, it is a true community center where everybody is uh, involved. And i, I kind of, it's my living room. It's a shared living space, a shared living room. I treat it as my living room. And I hope all my customers treat it as their living room as well, where they're going to meet. Mean, you'll, you'll have knitting circles, you'll have uh, groups, you'll have poetry readings, you'll have a whole bunch of things. P- Pre pandemic, we were open evening times. Uh, six nights a week with science lectures and community gatherings and it's uh, my goal for it was to become one of the um, kind of social and civic centers of Petaluma and it's it's done that and, and quite a little bit more actually. I'm delighted the way it's been received as a uh as just that a gathering place where where people meet future terms
1: in fact that's where i first met you your cafe sponsored a group of us coming together and that's where i first met leslie and and heard about cool city uh petaluma so yeah
2: yeah 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 yeah. so and 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 one of the other things on, on social capital i um read this book uh called bowling alone it's it's uh Quite a well-known book in in social sciences um, fields, a book by Robert Putnam, uh, published probably about twenty years ago, and it was uh, Bowling Alone, and the subtitle was The Demise of Social Capital in the United States. It is a, a quite a, an interesting study of how, you know the forties, fifties, and maybe the sixties, everybody was part of uh, churches or civic and or social organizations, um, and then. You know, what happened? Well, was it television that came in and kind of brought us into our homes? And then we're all kind of fed information from television and also,
1: also, I want to point out it's where air conditioning came in. So people left their front porches where they used to sit out and they went inside.
2: Yes, exactly. I mean, that's exactly one of the things that, so it was a kind of a confluence of very small little things that led to us not knowing our neighbors. I mean, it's inconceivable, um, you know, 50, 60 years ago that you wouldn't know your neighbors, you know, two houses up. But now it's quite common that, you know, two houses up, well, you know, you wave at them and you don't really know who they are. Uh, But we forget that the the value of that is much more than financial value it's 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 your your experience of where you live and so we've been doing a lot of uh community building activities um, you know, some strange, some unusual, some whatever. We just launched yesterday the uh, the pedal with jugglers. So get everybody out in town who's who knows how to juggle and juggle together. And and, and unfortunately, it rained pretty hard yesterday. Oh, it
1: did. <laughs> but know, so. but actually, fortunately for us, that we've been looking forward to getting some rain. Yes. But yes. yeah,
2: it was a joy to see the rain. But those kinds of things, what we really do is, and and social capital is, you know, it's defined, Robert Putnam kind of defines it as uh, the civic engagement in, in uh, civic and social networks and how many networks they are and whether they overlap and whether people know each other and those kinds of things. I always remember as a child... Um, we were just driving along, and it was in our neighborhood. And and my dad noticed somebody had a flat tire. Well, he immediately hopped out of the car and said, "Can I help you fix your flat tire?" Now we wouldn't do that much—a out of fear, or you know, a fear of what could happen. And we've been, you know, look at the news. There's always these awful kind of things of, of you know, well, uh, use your imagination. But it does stop us and prevents us from from reaching out to our neighbors. And I think American society is kind of taught us to be individuals and not to depend on our neighbor and, and it's actually quite the opposite. We need to be interdependent. Certainly in, in, in light of uh, uh, the, uh, the global the climate change and uh, helping each other and being prepared for emergencies and lowering our carbon footprint, we need to do this together. Uh, a, it's a warm, way more fun and it's also more effective. So that's kind of all kind of balls into the there the wraps into this this kind of idea of social capital as how involved are you are, are people involved in the Ptas are people involved in local government are people involved in yeah you, know, you just walk down the street and you say hello uh, to each other that kind of thing is is it's relatively easy to do but somebody's got to do it and that's what we do
1: then going into the cool city challenge and and really what's that about, Is really helping people get together in some ways, uh, really in a more formal organizational way. I think. Am I right about that?
2: Absolutely, it's absolutely. This is one of one of the programs. When immediately when I looked at it, I I thought this is exactly what we need because we have been waiting i think uh or being told yes there's this climate change coming you need to change your light bulbs okay we all individually change your light bulbs, and you need to change your water faucets and we all individually change your water faucets and this was little kind of uh, direction as to doing it together when we're prepared when we prepare for emergencies it's exactly that you kind of uh, create new possible possibly new relationships with your neighbors kind of learn okay well neighbor across the street has got a uh, a generator, so when the power goes out, who's uh, who's a doctor or a nurse that can help me when there's an earthquake happens and I break my leg or that kind of thing. And so this program, it's a very well thought out, very well designed program that incorporates building community, getting ready for emergencies and lowering our carbon footprint. And doing that together uh, with your neighbours. is very powerful. Um, because a, they're your neighbors, and in the in the case of emergencies, they're the people that are going to be helping you, and you're going to be helping your neighbors. But when when the earthquake happens or the fire comes over the hill, you run out your front door. Who you see? Well, you see your neighbors. Uh, you know, uh, you cannot um, in in serious emergency cases. We can't depend on uh, the emergency services because there just aren't enough of them. Uh, if a big earthquake happens, there are going to be they're going to have their hands busy and we really have to be in that case uh dependent on our neighbors and interdependent on our neighbors and and uh you know be willing to help in any way possible uh with sharing you know it's not just preparing for emergencies it's it's uh, it's sharing tools it's sharing um you know babysitting service it's, it's getting to know each other uh, i remember as a kid uh my mom sending me across the road to mrs o'shea's to to get a stick of butter when you know the shops are closed, and she was baking. And Imsonil uh, had had a had, uh, had a uh, Johnny go across and borrow a stick of butter, and nobody thought twice about it. Right. Now you know, knock on the door, ask for a stick of butter, people will, uh, unfortunately will 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 it, it, it will have a different reception. But that's what this this the cool Petaluma is all about. It's recreating that sense of community that I think we miss.
1: We'll talk more about that in just one moment. I want to remind our listeners, I'm here with John Crowley, and later we'll hear from Leslie Kerchak. And we're talking about cool cities and uh, how we can help each other block by block. And if you want to know more about the work, you can go to org, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm here with John Crowley, and we're talking about Cool Petaluma, and this is about grassroots movement that empowers community uh, working together for, as you said, disaster relief might be part of it, but just actually really reconnecting us uh, with one another. So there's a little flyer that you put out, um, like the five points. That that really are supported by this whole movement. And can you go through some of those points? I think you you did one yeah. the disaster resilience. Yeah. I guess is what you call it. Uh, help us out with some some of these points.
2: Yeah. So so the the uh, I'll talk a little bit about the program and how it works. So uh, we've got uh, we're going to be talking to Leslie Kurchak in a, in a moment. Uh, she put up her hand in order to get this this uh, this grant, this seed. We had to have uh, 200 members of our community put their hand up and and say, "Yes, I'm willing to be a block leader." And what does a block leader uh, do? Well, a block leader is organizes meetings with their neighbors. And so the first thing they'll do is they'll go out and knock on the door and say, "Hi, my name is uh, John, and I'm uh, inviting you to a uh, a block meeting in my backyard on certain, such a date and we're going to be uh, talking about and introducing this new idea um, for creating community based on areas and and your you know, main area the the, st- the area we start on is emergency preparedness and and everybody wants that We live in Sonoma county we uh we're in the middle of fire season uh these things are kind of
1: and we just had an earthquake a couple of days ago and uh yeah all of our neighbors ran out just like you said we all you know contacted one another and looked at each other like okay (laughs) what do we do is a big one coming what's going to happen so this was very important to know your neighbors right there
2: it, it really is. It is. It's it's a reminder of how uh, it's not a matter of if it's going to happen; it's going to be when, and uh, let's be prepared for it. I know I had some friends of mine who lived up in uh, Coffee Park in in uh, Santa Rosa. They wish that they had gone through this program. It, it was kind of like it's like where was this program? Uh, and well,
1: you and have to people... explain that Coffee Park and the wildfire. I mean, it was wiped out a whole. I mean, how many blocks was it? I mean, oh, it a whole neighborhood. five thousand yeah. homes yeah. and businesses burned down in my city alone in that fire. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, we're still recovering.
2: Yes, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Now, you know, this this program wasn't gonna stop the fire, but it would have prepared you for, you know, there there are smaller things like get your to-go bag ready, get your documents in order, get, you know, there's a whole list of things that we'll want to do we have a list of things that we want to do but do we do them well you know yes and no and it's so much more easier to do it when you have a team of people doing it and um which you know you can then share resources how did you upload about you kind of do you have a scanner can i scan my passport those kinds of things that we think uh you know if you've got a scanner and all that can then then you're fine but maybe your neighbor doesn't have those kinds of things uh, and so they, Or maybe they you don't a,
1: know how to do it, but your neighbor yeah. does. <laughs> yeah.
2: You put your finger exactly on it. So going through this thing, this, this, this course, if you will, a five to eight topic course. And the first two topics are uh, energy resilient homes. So what happens if the power goes out? Do you have, you know, I mean, from flashlights to uh, getting solar with batteries, you know, everything's discussed. And um, you know, some people who rent homes, they, they you know, they can't get solar on there, but they could do an awful lot of things. So it's not just for homeowners, it's very much so uh, also kind of changing of habits um, and, and being prepared as much as you can for these kinds of things. Um, the second second one kind of uh, talks about well, other things like well emergency supplies for your animals. you know we all have do, do we think about those things? Uh, you know having a plan for those kinds of things are, is very important and, and in an emergency uh, will make a difference in, in uh, <laughs> make a difference in your life, whether you're prepared or not.
1: I mean, that's so true. I mean, if you have to leave your home because of something some disaster, I mean, if floods are coming or or uh, something else, uh, you know, do you have a carrying case for your animal? Do you do yeah. you have water for your animal? Food for your animal? I mean, you know, yeah. it it, yeah. it helps us to think about these things.
2: It does, and and to be quite honest, I had not thought about it before the fires. And uh only that I heard some, some friends in Coffee Park, you know, they had, uh, they scrambled. And so now we have, we have a cat box and food in it and you know, those kinds of things. It's small things, um, but it will make a difference. And, yeah. uh, and again, so doing it together also is, is, a, is a nice way of doing things. And then we move on to things like, well, uh, creating, um, you know, a, a, a low carbon lifestyle, um, thinking about ways to cycle to work instead of the car. Thinking about, well, what is your impact on, on your, your what is your carbon footprint? So in the course, we've got a, a carbon calculator that can calculate your carbon impact in the world. And some of the things are eye-opening. Uh, you know, how much does a flight to Europe cost in, in terms of carbon? It, quite a lot. As it turns out, I did not know that. Uh, You know, a flight down to uh, Hawaii, you know, the same kind of thing, Uh, those kinds of things. What is your your consumption like? Are you a a heavy beef eater versus vegan? You know, those kind of things. There is a huge difference in those kinds of things. So, uh, you know, we're we're not expecting people to fly nowhere, uh, you know, go completely vegan. But the awareness is something that will change us.
1: And I think I read on your website someplace or one of your um, advisors or participants wrote about this. It was having these hubs where you, within so many blocks, oh, 15-minute block, Mm -hmm. I think it was Mm -hmm. called, 15-minute block, where within 15 minutes you can walk to, let's say, grocery store or other amenities or a park or something like that. And you don't have to get in your car. So this is part of, like, city planning, and and this would this would be something that collectively we can be aware of and and help with city government to think more about it as we become more consciously aware of it.
2: Very much so. Uh, So one of one of the the topics uh, uh, for the meetings is is safe streets. Is looking at your street. In light of well, how is it safe to walk on? Is it safe at night? Is it safe to bike, ride a bicycle on uh, Our Petaluma City is very much in support of uh, Cool Petaluma and and is is working with us on a program called uh, Safe Streets. And we are communicating. We had our the traffic engineer came out to have a discussion with us, and we we now have going to put, put stripes on the on our street and make it safe for people to cycle and to walk and. Ah, uh, putting two new walkways in, those kinds of things. We want to live in safer streets. and the city you know cities want to have safe streets, too. Getting people together on a street under the the, the cool Petluma umbrella uh, it helps pe- helps cities because we've already had that conversation internally, what we want, what is reasonable and then we'd take that to the city and say well we've had a conversation about it and here's our here's our plan how about it And they'll look at it and say well if you're all in, all in agreement you know there might be a couple of t- tweaks for for traffic engineering kind of things but it's a, it's a huge win for the city as well because they they're not kind of imposing things on us we're going going to the city and saying here we want a safer street let's make that so that's again one of the the, the things that the kind of tenants of our our cold plan
1: What what I I get from that, too, is that, like, if you start the conversations block by block, you know, each block will have its own concerns, like with potholes or lack of sidewalks or lack of lighting or whatever it is. And then that expands out to maybe a larger meeting where each block brings in their concerns. And it's just this wonderful coordination that gets everybody on the same page so to speak and it yeah. it's not like working like we're at war with each other but we're we're learning more about how to cooperate and how to to collaborate with one another and to inform one another rather than you know, being us against city government or that sort of thing. is Am I on the right track there? You're a,
2: a exactly on the right track. And, you know, and even having that discussions with uh, neighbors, you know, two or six houses up the road or at the other end of your block that you've maybe never met uh, brings you together and you can, you know, come to a, a, a discussion and uh, about something that's going to work for everybody. And that even, even the small discussion um, helps build community. So exactly. exactly that. And, you know, you touched on a point uh, earlier about, you know, the, the 15 minute um, is, city is where, you know, the old kind of concept of, of okay, let's build, you know, 4,000 tract homes. And, uh, you know, to get to the local store, you have to get in a car. And, you know, then, you know, the, the follow on kind of problems and issues that that leads to, uh, you know, or where is your local cafe? Can you even walk to your local cafe and have a glass of wine? Uh, you know, if you could walk there, you know, you would solve a whole bunch of problems from from uh, you know, less traffic to less drunk driving to, you know, a myriad of things that mm-hmm. we have kind of gotten off track. You mentioned front porches. A lot of homes now are not built with front porches. That's something that maybe they thought, "Oh, we don't need front porches and Absolutely, we need front porches uh, for exactly that that reason of of people sitting out in front porches and saying hello to passersby. That that's kind of one of the other kind of fun things that we've come up with, just to kind of give you an idea of of um, uh, how we build social capital. Uh, this idea of a passagiatà. Passeggiata is an Italian word, uh, loosely kind of meaning a, a pleasant stroll after dinner. And so every we're, we're encouraging all of our block leaders and, in fact, citywide in Petaluma to every Thursday night take a walk at seven o'clock around your block and just see what happens. You'll bump into people, and if everybody starts doing it, you start creating that that kind of serendipity of meeting. Yeah, you know, a neighbor around the corner, or meeting the neighbor seven houses up the street, and having a conversation. And you know, if nobody does those kinds of things, then they won't happen. But just by even creating that passagiata, it's uh, it's working. And, I, and uh, you know, <laughs>
1: I love that. I love yeah. that, John. And and even even if somebody's a householder and they're working full time and they're raising kids and they're really really busy. Like once a week, they can even take their kids in tow and and forego the nightly news or whatever (laughs) it (laughs) is
2: and
1: just get out and take a walk with your neighbor. Oh, my gosh, what a concept.
2: It's a simple concept that works. And, you know, what's the worst that can happen is you've had a nice walk around the block by yourself. (laughs) And you know everything's you know, above and beyond that is positive because you will you're absolutely right you know you will bump into neighbors you'll you'll spend some time outside away from that television and uh, maybe some quality time with your kids and and uh, it, it it's it's uh, amazing those kind of simple small things that work.
1: I want to remind our listeners we're talking about. Um, cool cities, and in this case, Cool Petaluma, California. And I'm speaking with John Crowley. The website that you can check this out is called coolpetaluma.org, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. And in the next segment, we'll be hearing from Leslie Kerchak, and she's one of the block leaders. So I'm Justine willis toms You're listening to New Dimensions. I'm here with Leslie Kerchuk, and she's a block leader for Cool Petaluma. Leslie, you're a block leader, so I would love to hear from you. What made you raise your hand and say, okay, I'll do it? Oh, my God, so much time, so much responsibility. You know, I'm just not sure I want
3: to take that on. But when the pandemic first struck... I was in Utah, standing over canyon lands, looking out at this vast, vast expanse of amazing rocks and mesas spreading all the way to the horizon, and I was just feeling how very small and tiny I was, and and very vulnerable. And I was thinking of the health crisis mushrooming in the distance, and I realized it's it just came over me like it's so important for humans to stick together. We really need to stick together. And later that day, I discovered that this lockdown had happened, and I immediately headed back home because I wanted to, kind of get in involved with this crisis somehow in a more connected way with, with my community, uh, in like civic actions and, and boots on the ground. You know, for years I'd, I had a project that was sort of in service to the earth. I felt I'm a nature photographer, and I. Made a calendar every year that I sold as a benefit for Daily Acts, which is another wonderful uh, group in Petaluma. It's a it's a climate and sustainability nonprofit that does amazing programs, and I think they're a an incredible grassroots group. And I would sell my calendars with my images of nature and and lots of ecological content and inspiration to care for the Earth. And so I had my you know, my artist's project to raise ecological awareness, but I wanted something more, you know, just right there um, with people in my community, not just um, as an artist in my studio, you know, creating this calendar. And also I have a granddaughter. I have a 12-year-old granddaughter. And I want to be the kind of ancestor that worked for her future, you know cared for the the future of this great human experiment we're in so when that call came from cool city uh i just felt that i had to do it because i had to honor these feelings you know about the direction i was being called in even though it did mean a lot more time and responsibility et cetera. Et cetera. so i did the training and as it turned out i had a wonderful Co block leader who lived two doors away from me. She'd been there for three years and we've never met each other because of the pandemic and also maybe just laziness. And suddenly we were working together and planning together and becoming friends. And we went and engaged the households on our block to be on this team. And we had our meetings, we had great discussions. We had a shared Google Doc. We named our team Dooney's Hood. The kids on the block named, named our, our cool block as Dooney's Hood because Dooney is the cat that sort of wanders around the neighborhood and visits everybody and spends time at everybody's house. So we were Dooney's Hood. And as a block leader, you know, you can go online and you can see exactly who's doing what, who's registering which actions that they've accomplished or not. And that was for me was the hardest part being, um, being sort of like the supervisor or the, the cop. You know, I don't like to have to go to people and say, Hey, you're, you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing like to put pressure on or anything. I really appreciated what uh, Paul Hawkins said about how if you want to um, get people to take action for change, it's not going to work if you use pressure or criticism. You have to lead them to a more beautiful truth.
1: Well said. Well said. That's a wonderful reminder. Yes. So that's what you're doing is we're encouraging one another rather than making making people wrong or or scolding them or whatever. It's an encouragement. We help each other, right?
3: Yes, definitely. And um, we all got to know each other so much better. I feel like now we could, any of us could easily go across the street and borrow some butter or milk or whatever we needed. And in fact, I I once heard this yelling in the, in the street and I ran out and one of my neighbors was running down the street shouting, rainbow, rainbow, everybody, there's a rainbow. Come and see it.
1: How wonderful. How wonderful. So tell me, um, in your block, is there a diversity of ethnicities or different people or different age groups? Or I mean, is everybody kind of the same age and of the same background? Um, definitely a lot
3: of different ages. There are quite a few young children, um, you know, and a, a handful of elders and everything in between. That's been another challenging part of being a block leader. We do have some Latino neighbors who were a little bit shy about getting involved. They, of course, were invited and they would say, yes, yes, it sounds wonderful, We'll, will come, but they never did come. It's just something that has to be dug into further uh, to figure out how to really how to make them comfortable about wanting to be included. Uh, that's still an how,
1: how does that stand now?
3: Well, you know, one action that happened that included them that they were very happy about is uh, there was a neighbor who began to realize that nobody on the block had a, a gas valve shutoff wrench. So he went out and he bought that for everybody and went around and offered every neighbor one of these wrenches. And they were very happy about that. I I can see that that really opened something up, you know, to be
1: given a gift like that. That's part of it, too, is sharing also maybe tools or or different, like not everybody has to have... um, a lawnmower or maybe people aren't even doing lawns anymore because we're encouraging people for a better water stewardship to do different kinds of landscaping. So there's a place that we could help each other. Right, right.
3: Yeah, that, you know, another wonderful thing that happened on our block is that one of the um, young couples was getting married and they had the ceremony in the backyard with the family in the late afternoon and then the wedding party moved out to the street and they had shut off the block for the evening block party and um, all the neighbors poured out into the street and um, two bands taco truck we put the couple in chairs and lifted them high in the air and bounce them around. There was so much joyful celebration and kind of singing and laughing and happiness together. And um, our Latino neighbors did come out and participate in that. So that was good.
1: Oh, what a wonderful story. I mean, uh, isn't that what we long for is that kind of personal connection. And as you say, you didn't even know your fellow uh, leader. Yeah uh, that lived right. two doors down from you. You didn't even know that person until yeah. now. And a lot of people we don't even know our neighbors and until we start participating in something like this.
3: Yeah. It's true. It's true.
1: Yeah. For me
3: personally, I feel um seeing what this program has done for my block and how we all have such a higher degree of closeness and connection and trust that we support each other now. Um, It makes me want to do more things like walk around other nearby blocks and meet other neighbors, you know, like Spread the um, that's that sense of trust and connection further. That's why I love the pasagiata idea because yes, that, yes, that is, yes, uh, that that will do it.
1: Leslie, when you did this, you went to some meetings and and learned some leadership skills. I mean it wasn't like they just said, "Okay, you're a block leader now and just kind of dumped you in the middle of the 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 pond without a, a life jacket." They that you you had some uh help, didn't you, to learn how to do this in ways that are effective and proven.
3: Yeah. I think when you are doing something you really believe in, like you believe in the underlying purpose of it, it makes being a leader easier. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that um, the training mostly, I feel, put inspiration into me. Not, you know, there was no instruction manual per se for how to be a leader, but just like a deep sense of motivation and inspiration to make this make this happen and make this work. Because it has such larger repercussions that will ripple out from transforming a block.
1: This may give you the impetus to just this inspiration to actually knock on a door and say, uh, I'd like to invite you to this meeting, uh, where otherwise we wouldn't do that, would we? Right. Right. Exactly.
3: Yeah. What it develops is a a very special kind of alchemy. Like I think because you know I think it it what it boils down to is that we're 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 almost connecting like on a survival level. Hey, we need each other to help each other thrive. You know, we really can't do it alone. So having starting to learn that because I, I think I always felt I was a bit of a independent person more than an interdependent person. Now I'm, you know, I'm shifting my paradigm to feeling more interdependent. So it does give me more uh, openness or confidence
1: for going further for being on this program with you (laughs) i know and i'm so delighted i'm i'm just so delighted that you've been able to share some of your stories your inspiration and i'm just hoping that the outcome of all of this is that other people will check it out and that they will raise their hand and say yeah yeah we we too will um We'll try it out and become a block leader in yes. in this movement. So thank you so much for being with us, Leslie. My
3: pleasure, Justine. Yes, yes. Thank you for doing these programs.
1: Yes, my honor and pleasure as well. I've been speaking with Leslie Kirchhoff. She's a block leader for Cool Petaluma and also an environmental photographer. You can go to Leslie She spells her name Leslie L E S L I E Kerchuk, C U R C H A C K.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis Toms. You're listening to New Dimensions. Mm-hmm. I'm here with John Crowley, and also we met with Leslie Kerchak, and we're talking about Cool Petaluma. It's so great. My engineer just whispered in my ear, oh, "How did it get the name Cool City? Cool City is a what? Why? Why Cool City?"
2: Well, I guess it's uh, we needed to, to cool the planet down, <laughs> and it's you know play on words. Uh, you know, our, our, our initial funder had the uh, you know had the the cool uh, city challenge, and therefore, you kind know, of, we became Cool Petaluma, and in our name also is Cool Petaluma Twenty Thirty. Our city is one of the few cities to uh, declare a climate emergency, and also a. A goal to become carbon neutral by 2030. Uh, a lot of our, you know, our, our scientists are saying we, uh, and world leaders are saying we've got to be carbon neutral by, you know, 2050. Uh, that's that's way too late. We, we don't have time. We need to do this right now. We're happy our city is is uh, on board with this program, and we work very closely with the city. For example, we were we mentioned earlier about water and and getting those devices all water saving devices out to all the residents in the city uh, is is very important you know and and they're given out free by the city and so we worked with the city to get those out to all of our block members uh we created a form and pickups and deliveries and all that kind of just to make the logistics easy and they're giving out you know from uh, aerators to garden hose equipment to anything that'll save water and we also work with um, uh, another organization here in town daily acts their focus is water and, you and know,
1: when you say daily acts that's, A-C-T-S?
2: Yes. that's yes. a c t s yes yes daily
1: acts sometimes yeah. it's hard to to that, understand it on audio. Yeah,
2: dailyacts.org, uh-huh. yeah. Daily, an organization's been in town for quite a while. And their focus is is, uh, is water stewardship. And they will help you install a great water system. Um, they will help you install a, a, a swell in your garden. They'll help uh, with mulching, uh, getting rid of lawns, I mean, this whole idea of, of having green lawns in front of your home is uh i think it's kind of definitely last century kind of way of thinking uh we are an emergency we've, we've uh running our, our water resources are uh they're on the edge they really are and
1: uh, and this is true all through the u.s west for sure and then yes. there's an overabundance of water in other parts of the country here so yeah it's like a fe- feast or famine, so to speak, but in the West, we are definitely in a drought situation,
2: yeah, absolutely. And no, no no questioning about that. As there is very little questioning about uh, climate change in general, I think we've gone uh, uh, kind of unfortunately from you know a lot of climate change deniers to oh, it's too late. Um we're in the camp where it's definitely we know it's happening. It's definitely not too late. Uh, we're going to do everything we can to help mitigate, and uh, you know, it's also a saving. It's saving resources. This that that uh, it's just a, a, a <laughs> in, in the old kind of vernacular, kind of a sin to be wasting all that water.
1: Exactly, exactly, and I. I feel compelled to let our listeners know um, an upcoming interview that I'll be recording this this week, right after this one, which has to do not only with um, uh, going to zero carbon emissions, which is a really good thing to do, but it may not be enough. And we've got to sequester the carbon that is already in the atmosphere out because that lives there for millennia and so even if we're not putting any more in there we've got to take the other out so it's so i just want to remind our listeners that it it's not only not emitting carbon it's also pulling it out and there are some wonderful wonderful ways of doing that that are natural that the earth has been doing for thousands millions of years mm-hmm. so I, I want to mention that because like one of the things that I'm aware of with with this idea and this has to do with city planning that if, if we went to our city planners and we said, okay, if you made a building code that no more would you use just regular cement, because cement actually puts a lot of carbon in the atmosphere, the making yeah. and the digging up of, some of the ingredients and make cement. So in other words, if you use synthetic limestone, which is now patented, and it's very strong, and it's great building material. It actually pulls carbon out of the atmosphere. Yeah. I, you can yeah. feel I, – I just get excited about all of this. Yeah. And we are on a timetable that is like emergency right yeah. now. We're yeah. there, John. Uh, yeah. So I'm just right there with you in, in everything that you're saying and, and all the work that uh, – cool petaluma 2030 is doing and i agree with you that yeah we don't have time to waste and so i wanted to ask you if somebody listening um what can they do uh to get their city involved in this whole movement, in this grassroots effort. I'm I'm so enthused about it and so excited about <laughs> it because I think that Margaret Mead said, you get a few people together and that's where things happen. And this grassroots is so effective and, and it's so close to home for each one of us. So help yep. us to yep. know.
2: So, so there's a couple of things. So so there is absolutely grass roots movement, but there also has to be, you are just talking a second ago about building codes. There has to be a, a, a rising up from the bottom, but also kind of top-down approach as well that cities have to, and they are starting to realize that uh, things like concrete, things like gray water systems, you know, they were illegal up until five years ago. Uh, and now I hope they become mandatory. Those types of things are what is is changing and it's it's starting to change quite fast. For example, uh Petaluma is one of the first cities in the United States to ban uh new g- gas stations. Uh, yeah, that that got us on the map, and they also got other cities to think about. Well, maybe we should ban them too. Uh, obviously, we're going to have electric uh, uh, car charging stations, those kinds of things. So it is a little bit of it, it's a both kind of approaches, uh, bottom up, which is what we're we're doing, and top down, which our city is very very happy to uh, happy that we're here. We're here. We're delighted that the city's working with us. So anybody out there, just go to our website. Uh, coolpetaluma.org hit the contact us page we'd be happy to chat with you and uh yeah, we can go from there yeah definitely do and I,
1: I know that you have all sorts of um gatherings there in petaluma that bring people together to um understand more to yeah. do do actions together to have fun,
2: <laughs> yes, huge part of fun. Most, most, most uh, movements—if they don't incorporate that sense of community and sense of belonging and a sense of fun—they won't go very far. So. The, some of the events that we had, as I said yesterday, we had an event. Learn, come and learn to juggle, or if you if you know how to juggle, come and teach somebody how to juggle. Just that very that small connection will. And then we have other ones that are serious. So can we have a have a, a meeting all about uh, how to get your your uh, solar or, or talking about solar, talking about uh, emergency battery systems uh, that are you know they're they're, they're can be highly technical. Uh, this dissertation we have one tonight about um electrifying your home you know we're all getting rid of gas that's kind of a no-brainer we all kind of realize that uh but what do you replace it with and, and making the replacement understandable making it easy and also making it affordable this latest uh the the ira the uh the uh one that came out of Congress recently, uh, that's got a lot of funding for electrification of homes. And we'll be seeing a lot more of that in January of next year.
1: That way I don't have to individually look up all that information. I can go to the meeting and there are a group of people that have dedicated themselves to understanding all of that. And then you can pass it on to me. And that's really exciting
2: yeah and that's exciting so we're aggregators we're aggregators of of people individuals at the block level we're also aggregators of of experts so we'll have experts talk on on a biweekly or weekly basis uh about the field that, that they're 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 experts in and you know people want to find out about uh, things that say uh, you know, from water to electrification to cars to whatever it is that can bring our carbon footprint down uh, we will will we'll find an expert with uh, Petaluma is full of great experts and uh, uh, the willingness to find out that information together is what excites me to be part of this program, and it, it, I'm so delighted. This is this movement that is happening. It's it's uh, we're part of it, and uh, it's exciting, and it's going to change. It's changing Petaluma, and hopefully, change uh, change the uh, United okay. States.
1: Change the yeah. world. Change the yes. United States. One one block, <laughs> one block one. at a time. That's exactly. what I mm-hmm. I just feel. It's so important. Yeah. And and yeah. one of the things that we didn't even start to talk about is waste and how to recycle and how we buy things and how we yes. decide to buy something packaged or not packaged and all of that other. It, there's just maybe- so much.
2: Or maybe not even buy it at all. Or not buy it at all. (laughs) 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 Share it.
1: Oh, I want to thank you so much, John and Leslie, for being with us today. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure to be part of spreading the word.
2: Thank you. Thank you, Justine, for for having us both on.
1: I've been speaking with John Crowley and Leslie Kerchak, and they are part of Cool Petaluma 2030. To know more about it, go to coolpentaluma.org, or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. You've been listening to New Dimensions. This is program number 3,773.
0: New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. For over four decades, New Dimensions has been producing weekly conversations at the leading edge. We sincerely thank all of you who have supported us by being members of Friends of New Dimensions as well as members of our affiliate stations. My name is Dan Drayson. On behalf of everyone at New Dimensions whose endeavors make this program possible, I'm wishing you well. New Dimensions Radio is an independent producer supported by listener contributions.